The following podcast is sponsored by Structure Tech. Welcome, everyone. You're listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich, alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman. As always, your three-legged stool coming to you from the Northland, talking all things houses, home inspections, and anything else that's rattling around in our heads. On today's episode, we are excited to welcome back Rhonda Wilson. Rhonda is a senior realtor in the Minneapolis market. She's been doing this for a very long time. She has her license with Coldwell Banker Realty. She specifically offices out of the western side of the Twin Cities market, Wyzetta. And we wanted to check in with her and get an update on the market. What's 2022 going to be like as compared to 2021? And so she kind of sets us straight about what she's seen in the market. But as the conversation went on, we found out about a new strategy that she's using to help her clients win at the negotiation table. Everybody knows that we're in a seller's market and there's a ridiculous amount of offers that are coming in on any of these houses that are in great shape in the market right now. But Rhonda's figured out a way to help her clients win. So I hope you enjoy the conversation. We love having her on the program. Enjoy. Rhonda, we are glad to have you back with us. It's it's always a pleasure to get to spend some time with you. And we are so curious for a market update. Like what is going on in the real estate world right now? Okay. Well, it is crazy. It's crazier than it's ever been in my years I've been in the business. And even back when, you know, the foreclosure period, that was that was really hard times. That was hard to sell properties. And now it's the exact opposite. You are, there's so many multiple offers and it's really hard for buyers, very hard for a buyer to get. And it's even, it's not even just in certain locations, it's everywhere. It's even rural areas and people are buying cabins and everything. And you have to be prepared and you have to have a good down payment because sellers want buyers that are going to close. And when you have multiple offers, you know, they pick the, the most likely buyer with the highest, like, likely to close buyer with the highest offering price. And, you know, they might try 10 different offers before they finally get one. And some of them just give up. So it's very difficult. I was doing some market statistics for you guys. Um, and the places that are the most reliable for us to go to are MAR, M-A-R, with Minneapolis Area Association of Realtors. And that, you know, is a local thing. And then there's NAR, which is National Association of Realtors. And just to put it in perspective for MAR, in our market in last, in 2021, 6.1 million sales. And they're expected for 2022 to be 6.4 and the number of average offers on a house is 3.8 overall, 3.8 offers. So most sellers can expect to get multiple offers. And then the, from the NAR, National Association of Realtors, we had the median sale price for our area here went from 305 to 339 $340,000. That's a big jump in one year from 20 to 21. And so people who do get to buy a house end up, you know, enjoying appreciation. And we hope that it hangs around. I don't know if it will. And then there's the, what's now a new term called exburbs. Instead of suburbs, it's exburbs. Exburbs, E-X-B-U-R-B-S, is the new term for going out rural. 
and those people are enjoying the same increase in price. So even if you try, you get more house for the money, a bigger house, a bigger yard if you go rural, but it's still, relatively speaking, expensive. So it's it's really hard for buyers. So, and I work both both buyers and sellers. And, you know, the name of the game as a real estate agent right now is I want listings because they sell and it's easy, fairly easy. Buyers, you have to go out and show them all these properties and write several offers. And so I'm like always trying to figure out how can I like save my time and my client's time and not go through the pain of a buyer not getting a house. So I have kind of come up with like some things that I do for buyers and things that I do for sellers to get the most money for the seller and for the buyer to be the the successful one to get it. So I can share that with you if you guys are interested in that information. Well, I'd like to ask you a question about the sellers. What are you able to do with sellers to kind of coax them into putting their house on the market? Right. Because we've heard about this inventory crunch and it feels like until a seller puts their house up for sale, we're never going to see this logjam pass or break loose. Yeah. So that's how, how do you as agents get more inventory on the market? Like what kind well, of. Well, that's that's hard, because if you're a seller and you're going to you have you're going to sell your house, but you're going to replace it and make another purchase, you're in the same boat. You know, you're going to experience the same thing and nobody likes to overpay for something. So, you know, some people, some agents I've heard, and I think it's a good idea is to have a seller list a property contingent upon them being able to find a property. So a buyer would actually, you know, give them a purchase agreement, but it's like a reverse contingency where the seller can back out if they can't find something. That's one idea. You know, some buyers, if they really want the house and it's a great house, are willing to take that chance. But there's a likelihood that that seller might not get a replacement house and then they cancel the purchase agreement and they've lost time and maybe the interest rates have gone up. To get a seller to sell, some of them want to because, you know, they're going to, they know they're going to get way more than they ever dreamed they would get. But if they're replacing it, then no. So it's hard. It's hard to get inventory. We talk about that in, you know, in business meetings and stuff. And it's how, how do you motivate a seller? Do you believe prices are at an all time high? Do you can think there's a bubble in the market or do you just think it's, it's supply and demand issues? Well, nothing lasts forever. We all know that, right? So something you know, something could happen that would make it change. I don't think it's, I've always maintained that housing is a necessity. It's one of those things that, you know, we're always going to need food and housing. So it's, it's a commodity that will always be popular. So from an investment standpoint, if it's just like buying in the stock market, if you buy for the long term, you know, then you don't mind the ups and downs. Real estate is a really good investment for most people, unless they keep buying and selling and try to play the market. So I don't know if I answered your question or not, but. One of the questions that I have is it feels like this inventory crunch has been going on for several years, probably two or three years Mm -hmm. at a minimum. And I would think the market would respond. And when I say market, it's, I put air quotes around that, like whatever builders or developers or somebody would bring to the market, a solution that would help break this logjam that I've talked about. But for an older, like somebody my parents' age who are in their 
70s, they, they're not moving out of their house. They've decided they're going to go down in this house. My dad would like downsize, but frankly, it's going to cost them as much or more to downsize mm-hmm. than it would be just to stay in his new house. Why hasn't the market responded with more inventory? Well, it, it all begins with new construction. Truthfully, that's what drives the drives it is and the, and it's too expensive to build i mean to get the land and i notice i mean interesting thing the city of minneapolis used to have they now allow in certain areas and with a certain width of lot you could tear down a house and put up like a townhome i sold one it's three put together and they there's two and three, so you don't because the lot's not wide enough to have more than that but they're allowing that and so that's interesting the one i sold had an elevator in it you know so anybody of any age could live there but it it's really expensive so that's a little bit of a solution if you can fit more housing on one lot from a savings standpoint but it's really expensive to build anything now I mean, it's, you know, the shortages and the, the uncertainty of the cost of materials and availability is really hard. It always has relied on new construction. And when new construction's down, that's when you get the log jam. Now, Rhonda, I want to ask you a little bit about our world as home inspectors. I mean, we're, we're super concerned about people being able to get into houses and get them inspected because that's our lifeblood. If people don't get home inspections, we don't work. And we've seen a lot of people skipping the home inspection. It happened a lot last year and it doesn't seem to have let up. I thought, I thought it was just kind of a temporary thing that was going to go for a few months, but here we are well into 2022 and it doesn't seem to have let up. Is, are you seeing the same thing? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I have to convince people that they need to have an inspection. And so, you know, I talk to my clients as buyers like I have a consultation with them before I put them in my car and I do the same thing with sellers. And that's one of my, one of my, I, th- I feel is very important criteria. So if you're that, if that you are willing to have an inspection, no matter what, you should not spend this much money for most people. It's the, mo- the biggest investment that they're ever making. And then they just buy it without an inspection because they want it so bad. So to overcome that, I mean, I used to, I still do, but when it wasn't a seller's market, I would have all of my listings have the seller do a home inspection. And that way we know what we're selling. We know what it's worth. We know if there's any big problems and you do, it just saves time and money and the buyers love it. And it keeps them from having an inspection done when you have a really good inspection report and they feel like you're really disclosing everything. They're not afraid to buy and it brings more money to the seller. So now I'll flip to, to today where I try to convince the seller to have an inspection and, and then they come back and say, well, what if we don't, what if the buyer doesn't require one? Then I've spent money on the inspection and I've disclosed stuff that I didn't know before. And so kind of hard to argue with that, but I tell them to do it anyway. Now I'm onto something that is working really well for me. And that is coaching my buyers that, you know, you're going to be in this sea of offers and who knows how many there's going to be. And you still do not buy a house without an inspection. And it's hard to do because maybe the house goes on the market on Friday and offers are due on Sunday at noon. And there's no time for anybody to have an inspection because there's 50 showings on the house and, you know, you can't have an inspection while 
people are looking at it. And so, I mean, I at least make a call to my favorite inspection company and, and see <laughs> if I can get an inspector who's willing to, you know, to do it at some time when there aren't showings. And, and this is my, I've done it four times now and all four times we got the house. And it's the, the sellers are actually, you know, you need to get permission, but the sellers are like, well, okay, sure. If it's not impeding our showings, yeah, they can have an inspection. So we go do the inspection and then it's a, you know, take it or leave it thing. You don't ask for anything, but at least, you know, if the house is decent or not. And all four sellers, and this has been in the last year that I've been able to convince buyers to spend the money on a home inspection for a house they have, they don't even know if they're going to get all four times we've, we've won in the multiple offers and they'll see sellers who want, they really don't want to sell their house without an inspection. I mean, most people don't, they're like, gee, I, I, I wonder if I might get sued later or something because, you know there's something wrong with the house and I wasn't aware of it or whatever, but I, it's a phenomenon I'm still studying that at least those four sellers, they were really happy. And they said, well, thank you for spending the money on our house. I guess we should pay attention to that buyer. And the most recent one I did, and we weren't the highest price, but the seller told their agent, you know, call her back and tell her, here's how much you have to beat. Let's give, we want those buyers to buy it. And if they're willing to come up to the price that is the highest one on the table, we want to sell to them. And my buyers did, and we got it. And there were 22 offers on that house. Oh, and, wow. Yeah. And so we got a second chance to come up with, a, you know, to meet the price that they were looking for. And everybody's happy, including the seller. So it's because I've been able to get, not every buyer obviously wants to spend the money, but if you really like the house, you're a fool if you don't spend the money and take the chance. So to summarize, I mean, it's like one of your secret weapons you got, Rhonda, is you just, you tell your buyers, look, bite the bullet, get a home inspection before you have the offer yeah. accepted, get it done at some time that's going to work for the sellers, sneak it in there, and it's going to make your offer that more attractive. Yeah. And it has worked for me every single time we've ever done it. We've got our offer accepted, even if we didn't have the best offer. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's that, that was, that was a fun one. And it's, you know, if I got four in a row now, I'm going to keep doing it because it's a way to win. I mean, how, you know, how many houses do you have to look at? How many offers do you have to write and get heartbroken? Let's be serious. Let's show a seller how serious you are. And that, I, I think that really speaks to, to the seller. As opposed uh, to a letter is. that tells yeah, the seller how much you want to buy their house. I mean, yeah. you're, you're putting skin in the game here yeah. and we're not coming here to negotiate. We're just, we want to have a clear picture of exactly what we're getting. And I think that's fair. Everybody calls them love letters. We're strongly encouraged not to do them anymore because we can break fair housing laws unintentionally. send a picture of the family, you know, with your letter and now you're just telling the seller, oh, this is a family. Oh, look at the cute kids. We want to pick them because they have these kids. And that's a protected class, whether or not your familiar status is a protected class. So we're encouraged not to send them anymore. So, I mean, how do you send a message to a seller more strongly than I like your house so much? I'm willing to, you know, put my money into an inspection and, you know, inspections, good inspections are expensive. So. It works for me. <laughs>
It's really interesting yeah. to hear that, Rhonda, because I think like I've only heard personally of, you know, agents and, and buyers that are using the strategy of foregoing the inspection to make their offer stronger. So yeah. it's interesting to hear your perspective, you know, on this. Yeah, it's like everybody working. wins, you know, because yeah. the seller doesn't have to. Oh, the other thing you have to do is promise the listing agent that you won't disclose to the seller any of the material facts that you learn from the inspection, because you have to then the seller has to disclose them. And so I'm, I won't tell you anything that I learned unless it's something that is life or death, you know, like there's carbon monoxide or something yeah. that the seller would need to know right away. I won't tell you anything about it. We'll either take it or leave it. So it protects wow. the seller and, you know, there's no harm done. Mm, wow. That's wow, really that, smart. That is. Yeah. Cause that seems to be the biggest protest that sellers have to that is like, we don't want to know what's wrong because we don't want to disclose it to anyone yep. else in the future. But if you're yeah. guaranteeing that it's not going to be a problem, we're still going to take the house. We just right. want to know. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So and, it's and on on the flip side too, if it's like if you have that inspection done and then they decide, oh, there's a hundred thousand dollars worth of work here and we don't want to submit an offer, mm-hmm. it's like all we're going to tell the seller is we're not going to submit yeah. an offer and that's, yep. yeah, that's we're right. not going to tell them all the stuff that they need to disclose right. later absolutely. on. Absolutely. Yeah. That's absolutely right. Yep. Um, yeah. Hmm. So that's, that's working well for me. I'm going to keep doing it. So it let's see how sense. it goes. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> Are any other agents around your office employing the same strategy? I, you know what, during our sales meeting on Tuesday, I mentioned, you know, because they wanted to know, well, how did you win with 22 offers? And I, so I told them and I had three of them come up to me afterwards and say, how did you do that again? So, (laughs) you know, and, and I'm spilling the beans here, but I just, I don't care if other people do it too. I mean, you know, nobody listens to this anyway. It's fine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, they should have all kinds of good, good information. I found a, I found some information. I was looking to find out how many offers are submitted that are not contingent upon inspection. And according to Mar, it's 19% of the offers that are accepted because we don't know how many that are submitted because those people didn't win. So that never becomes a record. But how many accepted offers come in with no inspection contingency? And it's 19%. And I, I would guess it's more than that actually in some markets because it's that and escalation causes. Well, I hate those things. But How long have they tracked that number, Rhonda? How long have they tracked it? Yeah. Is that what you just said? I um, probably, it doesn't say from when to when, it's only giving me the current. It never, they never used to track it. I mean, I can tell you that. So I would say less well, than I, a I year. think that's where I was going with this. It, it just, it's an indication of how tight everything is that Mm -hmm. suddenly this key metric is being tracked that's never been looked at before and it's at 19 percent that's that's quite a high number i'm yeah i'm I'm pretty shocked by that yeah one out of five and and how many houses do you think don't even go on the market they're not even technically listed that they're you know sold to someone who knows someone or I mean, um, it used to be more, I would say now sellers are going, Hey, there's no way I'm going to get multiple offers. If I just let one person look at my house mm-hmm. and they give me full price, most sellers want to go on the market and, and have, you know, their house competition. Get, yeah. yeah. Rhonda, I got a question for you. What do you think about this method where you hear some home sellers pricing their house quite a bit lower than what they really know is market value just to generate interest. And we all know that nothing generates interest like interest. 
nothing attracts yeah. a crowd like a crowd. Yeah. And it, it creates competition. What do you think about that tactic? Is that worthwhile? Well, I think you're drawing the drawing in the wrong buyers. Mm. I mean, you're getting buyers, you know, if somebody's gonna price something at 400 and it's worth you know, 425 or something like that, maybe it's okay. But if it was worth 450, you're going to get the $400,000 buyers. They do serve a purpose because they show up and create that interest you're talking about. But when it comes down to really picking a buyer, you know, they may not qualify for it. So what I do, I, and I think I'm doing the right thing is I tell sellers, we have to price your home like an appraiser would price it because your buyer's probably going to have an appraisal. We have to worry about that because then all the buyers, other buyers are gone and we're, we have this, this winning buyer and the house just sold for way more than the asking price. So what are we going to do if the appraisal comes in low? And if you've got the house priced where you know fairly certain there's never in a guaranteed but that because you did you, you compared one stories with one stories and that you did you did the things that an appraisal which I won't get into but you put on your appraiser hat and you say okay here's where I think it will appraise then that price is on you seller and if you've overpriced it you know and it doesn't come in high enough then maybe the the uh, buyer has the right to ask you to lower your price but if the inflated price is because of demand and, hey, I wasn't asking 450 for this house, I was asking 400 and you're the one who asked are willing to pay 450, I want you to put your money where your mouth is. And if the appraisal comes in low, you need to make up the cash difference in down payment so I don't have to lower my price. And we call that an, an appraisal protection clause for the seller. And if you're a really smart agent, you make sure that your buyer has the cash to do that if that's what they're going to do and you prove it to the listing agent you know you provide a letter from or a bank statement or says hey we, they actually do have extra cash for down payment than this stated in the purchase agreement that's another way to win is are you going to close i mean is it going to fall apart or not you want to make sure it's not so if that makes sense to you guys so is that a new terminology or is that new terminology that's been yeah, and, and it's called other things. I call it, and a lot of people do an appraisal protection clause. You're protecting the seller from having to come down in price when the appraiser shows up and says, well, that was fun for everybody, fun for the seller to get this big price, but it's not real and we're not going to lend on it. So I call that being bankable, right? Like oh, a, sure. a house has to be bankable. Any Anything you're buying, if somebody's going to give you credit or money mm-hmm. based on leverage, it has to make sense in their portfolio. Otherwise, they're not going to do it. And if it doesn't make sense, yeah, you can bridge the gap. But then they might ask you, well, why are you overpaying so much? Like, what sense but, does that make? <laughs> I know. It's true. I mean, it, it is true. I mean, why are you? Yeah. Because you have no choice if you want to buy a house, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and, and you know, I, there are, we don't have the same issues as we did back when, um, the for, in the foreclosure days when there was lender fraud, you know, anything appraised, no matter what. And now the appraisers are are highly scrutinized. They mean business too. I mean, you you won't be an appraiser for very long and you mess around. So you need to be able to produce a, a report that is credible for the lender and the, the appraiser does. And, and if the buyer wants to pay more, they have to come up with the difference. 
Are you seeing a lot of buyers then, Rhonda, offer more than what a property is appraised for and they're paying with cash? Is that happening a lot in this market? Am I seeing a lot of cash buyers? Is that what you mean? Instead guess, of finance guess, buyers? Maybe that's a two-part question. Are you seeing a lot of offers that are going over the appraised value and they're closing? And is that cash buyers then doing that? So when you have a cash buyer, there is no appraisal unless okay. the cash buyer requests one. But I think I think what you're trying to ask is the appraisal happens after you've already agreed on the price with the seller. Then the next step is the appraiser comes. And, and then if it doesn't appraise high enough and you have a problem, then the calculation, if you put 20% down, the lender goes into this with a, I'm going to use 100,000 to keep the math simple. You know, if it was a $100,000 sale price and the and the down payment was 20%, then the lender's planning on lending $80,000. Mm-hmm. And if it, if it only appraises at 90,000, the lender's only going to lend 80% of the appraised amount, not the sale amount. Mm-hmm. So now you got a problem, 80, you know, whatever Mm -hmm. that number is. I'm not keeping the math simple, but 80% of 90,000, the appraised amount. So then the buyer has to come up with that difference. Their down payment plus, it's less than $10,000. I'd have to, if I, if I wasn't sitting here doing this, I'd have. No, you're, you're, you're right. But there's a gap, there's a gap they have to cover and they're going to have to cover that with cash. Yeah. And it better be in their bank. And, And there are, there are people who, turn themselves into cash by going into their retirement accounts and Mm -hmm. writing a cash offer and close. And then they turn around and refi right away and pay back within that time. So they aren't, they don't have to pay tax and penalty on their, on borrowing from their IRA. I mean, I, I wouldn't ever do that, but there's a lot of people doing, there's lots of cash buyers out there. And that, I think that's one way they're doing it. I think of when you when you think of cash buyers, I think of these big private equity groups that are buying up houses. But are they really super active in in our market, or or are these cash buyers just as you said, somebody's liquidated uh, yeah. an asset, so they could be a cash buyer to give them yeah. more leverage in this conversation? You know, when prices aren't so high, this is sort of related. You'll get some investors that will hire a real estate agent to go out and write offers on just find me five houses and they write an offer contingent on five houses. And nobody knows that this investor has written other offers and the investor doesn't come to the house. The agent just goes and picks them. And then they always have a contingency an inspection contingency in there. And so once the offer offers are all accepted, then the investor shows up and goes and looks at them. And if he doesn't like them, he cancels the purchase agreement. And that's a real bummer. If you're a seller that fell victim to that. Because you just wasted time on the market thinking it was sold and it wasn't really, it was just a chance of selling, but you didn't know. Mm. That's not oh, fun. No. Those, those have been out there in the past. I haven't seen, I don't think they're out there now because the market's oh. too hot. In yeah. all your years doing this, uh, would you describe this market as the most unusual that you've been in? Like maybe the last two or three years or, or how does it fit into your career overall? It is the hardest and most heartbreaking market. You know, it's all about buyers. Buyers are who, who drive our market. And if they can't get housing, it starts with first-time home buyers. And and then the other level is new construction, which usually they aren't a first-time home buyer doesn't usually buy new construction. But if first-time home buyers can't buy a house to eventually sell and have be replaced, those turnover, you know, 
um, first time home buyers live in their home for about three years and then, you know, then their lives change and they can make more money and that, and then they get replaced with other first time home buyers. When it becomes unaffordable, then, you know, that's when you get things will stall. So we have to, I don't know how long this is going to go on, but, but the, the first time home buyers seem to be affording it. But at some point, I mean, if we've had between, we had 11%, 11.4% appreciation in the Twin Cities last from in 2021. And in 2020, it was 8%. And those two added together are over 20%. And if you compounded it, which is what you really should do, it's even more than that. So, you know, to have somebody have to pay 120% more, you know, a year and a half or two years later, I mean, it's good if you bought and you have equity, it's great. Because you've got you can have some instant equity, but it's really hard to jump in the market. So, Even if you have that equity, you have to live somewhere. So either you put it into rent or you put it into another property, and mm-hmm. it's just transferring that equity. Yeah, it's such a I, the balance. The game of balance here is really interesting because you have banks. You you can't go too high because you have to get a loan, or you you know, it just there's so many moving parts in here. Are you seeing a lot of people that can't afford houses and can't, you know, their offers aren't being accepted? Are they, what are they doing? Are they renting then? And yeah, that's why rents are so high. Rents are so high because there's people who, who can't buy and they give up and then they go commit themselves to a one-year lease or something and rents are out of, out of this world. It's, it's really tough to, no, nobody's really winning it unless you own property that you're, you know, you're selling and it's your principal residence and you probably don't have to pay capital gains tax and you got someplace else to live. I mean, it's a great time to buy for those people. But if you have to replace your property or something else, you're just subject to the same as being a buyer. Cycle. Yeah. yeah, 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 it's hard. So it's hard. It's really, it's hard. I, I mean, you know, I'm sorry. It's like I would have, a, I, I had a hate to say this because I work with all price ranges, but, you know, somebody sent me, you know, a lead for like somebody could spend 200,000 and I just know that I can't find them anything that they can buy for 200,000 in the community they wanted to buy in. And so, Mm. you know, it's like, I would, this isn't me. I usually help everybody, but you know, it's not worth my time because I know it's not a happening thing. So what would you say like the, the price point is now then for like a first time home buyer 350 depends on the community 350 mm-hmm. in which you probably sell for about 375 or 400 and uh, you know some first time home buyers if they're dual dual income earners in there you know they come in at, at the 500s so that's incredible yeah. that's he's Wow. Ronnie, you can hear it in your voice. I mean, we, we can see you and we can kind of see it. You're you the empathy that you have for these people, but it's, it, I just feel your pain because you just want to get started. I mean, forever in this country, home ownership has been a massive yeah. feather in, in somebody's cap and it just doesn't feel as attainable as it once did. Well, the other thing is you have to be available. I mean, if you're not available and, you know, cause offers are due on Sunday at, at, noon and it's like okay well like you know you whatever you're doing you better take your buyer out and make sure they see the house if they want to so it's it's hard i'm not complaining i mean it's it's a it's good in this weird world with a pandemic that real estate is so successful right now and has been through the whole thing it's odd 
It's, yeah. it's just, it's <laughs> fun to get your perspective because you watch TV and you think real estate works one way and then it probably doesn't work that way at yeah. all. And yeah. Thank you again for coming on. It's yeah, my pleasure. To, Absolutely. You know, and yeah. I, I feel like I'm like Debbie Downer. No, <laughs> whatever. No. No. <laughs> we've got we've got an affordable housing crisis in this country, yeah. and it it seems like it's just going to get a little bit worse until it starts getting better. I mean, we just we're not seeing enough new construction coming around or affordable rentals or anything like that. It's just you know it, it's it's like buckle your seatbelts, people, because our yeah. prices are going up in the Twin Cities and they have been it seems like for you know years and we don't see an end in sight. I agree, Tessa. I totally do. I mean, it's, 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 I mean, I have, I have a kid trying, trying to find her house and, you know, I'm really picky with her. So she, she might fire me. I don't know. I'm kidding. I, I, She's I'd say she could live anywhere, you. just not in my basement. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Well, she's in good hands with you, Rhonda. If you can't oh, find her house, Tessa. then I don't know who could. So. Oh, you're you're so nice. Thanks. Well, well Rhonda, Rhonda, we're gonna probably put a wrap on this. Okay, um, great. Why don't Why don't you go ahead and tell everybody your brokerage and how people can get a hold of you, and and we'll link this all up in the show. Oh, notes, okay, but, sure. Uh, okay, okay. So I've always worked for the same company, and that is Cobble Banker Realty. And I work out of the Wayzata office, although I mostly work at home and and on the road. But still, I'm, I'm my phone number six one two eight six zero zero one eight nine, and I'm R Wilson R W I L S O N at cbrealty.com. Thank you. Yeah, and, and thank so, you again for all yeah. your time. It was well, you're good welcome. To, and I, and I love structure tech. Uh-huh. we didn't pay you to say that i know you, and i've used you for years and nobody else because you you're so you're so awesome and you're not paying me to do this either i just love you guys you can edit that out if you want or leave it in, I think I have we'll leave it in. nothing but glowing reports for you guys you help me be successful you know so uh, the yeah. world needs more agents like you though Rhonda. and it's and it's really inspiring Amen. to hear your kind of new tricks that you have with getting <laughs> getting buyers to to do yeah. inspections in this market yeah so, thanks for sharing yeah, yeah you're welcome fun. yeah I, well i hope it helps somebody else i mean even yeah. an agent could call me because not that i know it all i don't but it's it is you know they most of them say how do you get people to pay for an inspection? And it's like, it's not hard. They just, you talk to them and they do it. So I don't know. <laughs> it's not what you say, Rhonda. It's how you say it. That's, oh, that's thank you. Right. Thanks. Yes. Well, okay, this was everybody. fun. Thank you. you <laughs> We're going to put up. a wrap on today's okay. episode. You've been listening to Structure Talk, a Structure Tech presentation. My name is Bill Ulrich alongside Tessa Murray and Ruben Saltzman spending some time with Rhonda Wilson today. Thank you. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Take care. We'll catch you next time. Great. For more information on how we can provide you with the right information about your home before you buy or sell, contact us at StructureTech.com.